Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Welcome to Catholic Conversations. I am guest hosting this program today. My name is Royce Hood, and it's so good to be with you um, on Catholic Spirit Radio. So be sure to download the Catholic Spirit Radio app if you haven't done that. And if you have downloaded the Catholic Spirit Radio app, I want you to send me an email and confirm it. Feel free to email me, Royce at lawlife.org. I want to hear from you. I want to know that you've downloaded it. That's your homework. And uh, so reach out to me and let me know that you're listening. So, all right, we're joined by a very, very special guest. We have Devin from the Fathers of St. Joseph. And Devin, I'm afraid I'm going to get your last name wrong. So go ahead and say it for our listeners so I don't embarrass myself. Yeah, Yeah, it's Shad. How odd of God to make Devin Shad. That's what a, a priest friend used to say. I, you know, the, the fact that you've uh, got a rhyme there is awesome. Um, I mean, I always say Royce Hood is good, but that's not quite as creative as the rhyme that you've got. Yeah. Yours is better, though. No, right? I don't know. So we'll, uh, yeah, we're, uh, humility, I guess, is a, a virtue, right? So, um, so right. tell us, tell us a little bit about Fathers of St. Joseph. I'm on the website, fathersofstjoseph.org, and this looks like a really, really cool organization. Tell us about it, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So the Fathers of St. Joseph, we've been around since 2012, and we are founded on the principle that there's a famine of fatherhood, uh, there's a famine of good husbands, and so basically by following the timeless wisdom, the ageless example of St. Joseph, we've discovered a way of life, an actual spirituality for fathers, for husbands. And so the Fathers of St. Joseph is an organization that labors for the restoration, redemption, the revitalization of fatherhood in our age by following that example of St. Joseph built on his four pillars, which we believe are embracing silence, and there's a lot there we could go into, embracing woman, again, there's a lot there, embracing the child, and embracing our charitable authority. And so really at the heart of what we're doing here is equipping men with the vision of what it really means to be a real man and how to live it in our culture that really is anti-masculinity, anti-Christianity, anti-Catholicism. So we're just, you know, we're fighting a good fight to be like St. Joseph, to be like our Lord on this earth. Oh, that's amazing. I I mean, so much to unwrap there. It Mm -hmm. sounds like, I mean, I'd love to dive in and and really dig deeper in terms of everything that you just talked about. I mean, the, the, the attack on masculinity. I mean, am I the only guy out there that feels like men have generally been neutered by society is that is that a, a is that a, a politically correct way to phrase that i don't you're, even know you're, you're, you're the only one no yeah right yeah actually yeah actually it's 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 really becoming uh it not only do our men aware of it they're becoming more frustrated and more um i, I don't i don't think angry maybe is the right word but just there's this spiritual frustration and angst because what we're really we're looking for leaders who are going to show us how to be real men in today's society. Because if we look at the way things have gone over the last maybe 60 years, you know, radical feminism and the whole kind of love is love idea and the revolution or the sexual revolution of the 1960s really was aimed at, like you're saying, spiritually neutering the patriarch of the family. I don't know if you remember Kate Millett, but Kate Millett was one of the foundresses of now it's the new organization women in the late sixties. And she would have these huge rallies and she would begin her rallies with the following chant. She would say, why are we here today to create a revolution? 
What kind of a revolution? The cultural revolution. That's Marxism. How do we create the cultural revolution, she would say, by destroying the American family? How do we destroy the American family? By destroying the American patriarch. That's the father, right? How do we destroy the American patriarch? By destroying monogamy. That is his marriage to his wife. How do we destroy monogamy? By introducing perversion and sexual perversion, eroticism, pornography, homosexual, uh, homosexuality, etc. And that's where we're at today. We have been bought off by Satan, basically, almost not exclusively, but primarily through sexual uh, disorders. And when we succumb to those, it weakens us because then we come, become boys trapped in men's bodies. And Kate Millett knew this, Satan knew this. And so that's the attack because the family, if we really get down to it, the family is this living representation of the Trinity's self-giving love. And I know there's a lot there and that's a lot to unpack, but God is self-giving love. He's three persons, but so so in love with each other that they literally are one, self-giving to the other. They're literally one. And God creates man and woman in his image and likeness and give themselves away to one another so that there's a third, a child. And so the family is this icon or this living reflection of the Trinity, or supposed to be. And the father is called to lead the charge in protecting that sanctuary of love and life. And but how does Satan buy him off? through sexual disorders, through sexual perversions, through pornography and affairs and all sorts of stuff. And so that's kind of like where we're at today. Um, if you believe the stats, they're unbelievable when it comes to pornography. This, I think men from 18 to the age of 30, 79% of men, Christian, non-Christian, use pornography regularly. That is monthly, at least monthly. And then ages 31 through 49, 67% use it monthly. And then you get above the age 50 and it's 50%, but I just think that's just because of age, you know? And so we're looking at basically two thirds of men that are trapped in men's bodies. And, and it's not to condemn anyone here. It's just saying that this was Satan's plan. This is his way of, like you're talking about spiritually neutering us, ironically, by getting us to be sexually aroused in the incorrect way. And so we really need to take this thing back. And I believe that St. Joseph in many ways has the key to be able to overcome Satan and win this war. All right. So, wow. Again, awesome. Uh, what a, just a wealth of information and the statistics that you talk about. I mean, being able to trace back the cultural revolution, right? That sexual revolution and, and tying it to Marxism is so spot on. I mean, even during, um, during the pandemic, when we saw, the rise of um, the, of like the BLM organization on their website. Mm -hmm. One of the things that stood out was they literally said point blank, you know, attacking, you know, redefining the nuclear family. We keep hearing this yeah. phrase, nuclear family. What is the yeah. nuclear family? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's so funny when we talk about the nuclear family, because really a family is just that. It's a family. It's a husband. It's a wife, and it's their children, and that's a family, you know. And 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 when we start to try to, this is Satan. Satan, he cannot create anything of his own. He can only take an existing good and then malign it. That is, try to destroy it or redefine it. And so that's what he does with family and marriage. He takes the good, the beauty of marriage, and and sexual intimacy, and all that that God has created to be pleasurable and good between a man and a woman. And he wants to redefine it 
and he wants to distort it, malign it. And so he creates things such as pornography or he creates affairs or he lures us into such things because he cannot create the, anything of his own out of nothing because that's what evil is. Evil is just really an absence of good. He has to take a good and use it. And so what he's doing with the family is basically saying the family can be whatever it wants to be. It can be between a man and a man. It can be a woman and a woman. It can be a woman and a cat. I mean, like, literally, that's where we're going right now. And, and you know, there is, according to the, the secular world, there is no truth, which means that what they're really saying is, is that my truth is the only truth. And if you don't believe my truth, then you're going to, you're going to suffer because of that. And it's a double standard. It's as if, so, um, yeah, it's as if uh, Punches Pilot uh, has his own uh, fan club, right? With the age old question, what is truth, right? Uh, yeah, that's right, Royce. Yeah, exactly. No, you know, it's interesting. So well, well yeah. just, just, it's interesting on social media. Sometimes I get in debates with people about everything from, you know, the trans laws that are being proposed in Florida that would limit, um, limit, the, the availability of the puberty blockers and things of that nature. And then some of the responses I get are, are from people with um, profile names, like, you know, facts are facts. And I'm thinking, you know, they're, <laughs> and they're arguing in favor of these things. And I'm thinking, well, what, you know, where do you get your facts? What, what does facts mean? I mean, you, the, a lot of these folks are so lost and it's the blind leading the blind in so many instances, because you get people of goodwill that think some of this stuff is just dandy but they haven't been catechized. They don't know about St. Joseph. They, they don't know the truth. And yeah. is that on us? Is that our, I mean, is that on mm-hmm. Christians and Catholics of goodwill that we're not evangelizing properly? Well, you can't evangelize what you don't know. And I think that that's probably the big problem in Catholicism and Christianity right now is that there are a lot of Christians, there are a lot of Catholics, but they do not know their faith because they do not know the one who has given them faith, which is Jesus Christ. And and why don't we know Jesus Christ? Because we're not spending time with him. And so then when you get in these situations where the world is saying, hey, you just need to love us. You just And what that means is you need to tolerate, you, you need to be tolerant, you need to accept and that which and but that means though that you need to deny the truth. And so here's here's really the the right I think position on all of this is that I have compassion for people who have disorders like this where they have an identity disorder and they they are struggling because they believe that they might be something then that God has really created them to be or that they have been marginalized or they've suffered from a terrible relationship with one or two or both of their parents, right? And so they're growing up with great wounds and, and this dysphoria. And then they start to go into this process where they're using hormone blockers and they're actually, you know, damaging their flesh with mastectomies and, and you know, mutilating their flesh. I mean, how sad. And if you look at the statistics, you know, 10 years out after a sex change takes place, the depression rates and the suicide rates go through the roof. And what does that tell us? That it's, this is why I think it's so sad is because I I just, I remember last year or two years ago, I attended a, uh, a graduation ceremony and the valedictorian part of her speech was, you can be whatever you want. Don't let anyone ever tell you that. And that's a lie. That's a flat out lie. And I think there's nothing more frustrating than that to tell people that they can be whatever they want. And then they, they find out ultimately they can't. It's like me giving you, say, like a Ferrari, you know, a beautiful car, a Rolls Royce. I give you the keys and I say, it's yours, free, brand new, it's yours. And I walk away, I drive my car and walk away and you can't wait to start this thing. But you turn it over and it won't start. Why? 
because there's no engine in the vehicle. You pop the hood and you can't believe it. I can't take this car anywhere. Well, I think that's what we do. We promise these people the world. We say, yes, you can be, hey, you're biological male, but you want to be female. You're biological female, but you want to be male. Yeah, go for it. But then after 10 years, five years, they're massively frustrated because they cannot fulfill the pinnacle ultimate of being a female, which is to be impregnated and to give birth to life, you know, to experience pleasure in sexual intimacy because you can't, because you can't redevelop those kind of nervous endings in a sense to have that kind of pleasure. Same thing on the male side. And so what we're doing is we're creating this massive frustration. And what's happening now is a lot of these people, and this is where I draw the line, I have compassion for them, but they get angry because they look at the real families and the real marriages. And they're so upset because some of these people look happy and have happiness and they're mad because they can't have that. And then they take out their anger and their frustration on them and make them the victim, right? And that's where we're at, you know? So we've got to be compassionate, but at the same time, we have got to defend the truth. And the way we have to defend the truth is by knowing the truth. And the way to know the truth is to know Jesus. The way to know Jesus is to pray every day, which hardly any of us are doing. No, absolutely. I mean, there's, again, just so such a wealth of information. I think, um, you know, looking at that, what you coined as, you know, that frustration. And I think that's a really interesting word to, to think about when you're looking at, the frustration that exists, first of all, between people that want to maintain the tradition and the truth and, you know, that, that, that wholesome family environment that, you know, so many of us dream about and crave about. Look, I mean, I grew up in a broken home. I didn't have the, um, what would you would think of as being like the perfect family, but I had a lot of love in my life. I had a mother that loved me. And, but I always knew that one day, if it was God's will, I would find the right young lady and we would get married and I would do everything I could to be the father that I didn't have and to give my kids that, that, that hope and that, that life. Um, anyways, it's, I, I bring that up because I feel like that frustration that you talk about where people realize that they made a mistake. I got, again, I was in an argument on Twitter just, just this weekend, you know, and my point was, well, look, I mean, how many adults regret their tattoos? You know, maybe they wait till they're 18 or 19 and they think it's great and they get a couple of them. And then maybe 20, 30 years later, they, they kind of wish they didn't had it, had it. And it's, you know, it's, it's a tattoo. But right, that's exactly, that's, I mean, it's a great analogy. Right. And I mean, you look at, you've got these, I mean, kids can't even, I mean, one day they, they think that their favorite color is blue and the next day it's green. They, they, they can't even decide you know, who their favorite teacher is, let alone what sport they like the best. And then you're going to give them the ultimate power to say, oh, wait, I should be a boy or I should be a girl, you know, and, and that I should change my sex when they don't even, you see, and, and part of going through puberty or pre-puberty is just discovering who you really are in light of the world, right? And in discovering who you are in the light of God. And you cannot make those decisions without having gone through puberty, et cetera. And you shouldn't even have to make that decision because really what we're doing here is that God has created us in his image and in his likeness. And what is that? I mean, I think we need to break it down a little bit. You know, we talk about the Trinity, but what is the Trinity? You know, it's three persons, so self-giving that they're one, but you've got the characteristics are distinction, unity, and fruitfulness. So you have Three distinct persons, Father, Son, you know, the Holy Spirit, they're, they're distinct, yet they, they live in the unity 
the love of the Holy Spirit. They're one. And so it's one God. And yet, from that unity, that oneness, there's life and love and bliss and rapture and ecstasy, creative power. So that is God, distinction, unity, and fruitfulness. So he says, let us create man in our image and likeness. So there's kind of, there's a divine we in Genesis there, where let us create man in our image and likeness. And so he creates not two men, not two women. He creates a man and a woman, distinct sexually, distinct, so that they complement and then complete one another in union with one another, particularly in the one flesh union. And then there is fruitfulness. So there's distinction, man and woman, unity, one flesh union, and fruitfulness, life. And God, that's what He wants to do. He wants to create His image and likeness of His. Why? Because this is how we learn to become who He is, by giving ourselves away in relationship truly and bearing life to this world and cultivating that life. And But when we become selfish, we're no longer upholding that image of God. And here's, here's what's at stake, is that we're saying, no, God, I don't want to be created in your image and likeness. I want to create myself in my own image, my own likeness. I want to create my own identity, although God's already given it. And so that's what's at stake here is we're literally cutting ourselves off from God. And there really is nothing more frustrating and alienating and painful when you don't really have God. So that's, that's where we're at. All right. Well, you're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm filling in today. I'm Royce Hood. We are joined by Devin from the uh, Fathers of St. Joseph, and we will be right back after our commercial break. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in blooming to normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. This is it, the final performances ever in Bloomington, Illinois. This is the last season for the spectacular performances of the American Passion Play, the greatest story ever told. The American Passion Play brings Christian history to life with authentic costumes, elaborate settings, and live animals. There's intrigue, drama, friendship, and as the plot unfolds, betrayal, sorrow, and love. You must see the American Passion Play before its final curtain falls at the Center for the Performing Arts in Bloomington. Viewed by generation after generation, this is theater at its best. Performance dates are March 11, 18, 25, and April 1st, and each performance begins promptly at 1 p.m. Reserve your American Passion Play tickets today by calling 309-829-3903. 
You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am your guest host today, Royce Hood, and I am joined by Devin Shad of the Fathers of St. Joseph. We were just talking about uh, really his ministry and the ministry that he felt called to create and some of the some of the issues facing our culture, the famine of fatherhood, the whole trans ideology and how that's encroaching on on the dignity of the family and the dignity of the human person. I want to switch gears slightly and hear a little bit about Devin and, and his background and why he felt called. So Devin, tell us a little bit about you. How 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 did you get involved with um, creating an apostolate, and you know what? What made you feel called to do so? Yeah, that's that's great. So, uh, well, I, I think the big I had a massive conversion at 24 years old. I, I was really very hedonistic. I was I was living a, a very hedonistic life, um, and I had a I had a really great. It was amazing conversion experience. And then after that, I started getting into my faith. And then soon enough, I was married at the age of. 24, and and then we tried having children, and, and then finally we, we did, you know, and, and then I think it was our third child, my wife became pregnant, and about 28 weeks, um, Anna Marie was born, so 28 weeks gestationally, so that very early, and um, so Anna Marie spent a, about a month in the neonatal intensive care unit, and they were just you know, the nurses were working overtime to get her lungs and her digestive system operational and functioning properly, and everything went great. And then we brought her home after that month, and and then um, she spiked a fever. She was having difficulty breathing, and so then we took her back to the hospital, but we could not readmit her to the regular need or to the neonatal intensive care unit for fear of infecting the other babies with whatever she had. And so we had to admit her to the pediatric unit, which was not prepared to take care of a baby that small. And they, they said that. And long story short, um, she suffered 10 hours of apnea uh, where she was not breathing properly and the nurses missed it. There was some nurse neglect. And then she suffered a hypoxic event, not enough oxygen was transmitted to her brain. And by the time that the medevac life support team came in, her eyes were rolling in the back of her head, her tongue was curling, and she was seizing pretty regularly. And and so they rolled her across the tarmac, and even the head nurse said, this is our fault, we take complete blame for this, we will do whatever we can to rectify it, which never happens, you know. And and so they rolled her across the tarmac, got her in a helicopter, medevaced her out to a children's hospital a couple hours away. But by the time she arrived, she suffered three clinical death experiences and permanent brain injury. And so... From that point on, you know, Anna Marie was trapped in her body. And when my, I, I drove that night to get to the hospital late that night uh, to catch up with them. And then my wife came the next day after making arrangements for our other two children, you know, somebody to take care of them. And when she arrived, she saw Anna Marie on the ventilator, uh, the machine literally breathing for her. She was defibbing out, you know, coat or coating out, and the doctors would come in and defib her. And, and she was swollen from the Lasix and my wife just, she broke down. She was just like, I just need you to come home and be a husband and father or basically something like that. Because at that time I was working on starting my own business. I was working around the clock for a, a kind of like a, a big agency doing set design for Fox news and PBS shows and things like that. And, and I was, I was really driven. I wanted to be successful. Also, I was a part-time youth minister. If you know anything about that, it's full time. And, so I was just really never home, and but I just thought that's the way things were. You know, if you're a man, you're you're 
you're winning the world, you know, and you, you, you know, the goal is to be wealthy and, and to be successful. And even though I had Jesus, I, I didn't quite get that. And, you know, I just thought it was all about me and being successful. And so when she said that, I was like, wow, I thought I really was. So I took that seriously and I cut back. I quit the youth ministry. I quit working around the clock. I, I gave up my dream for my own business. And then I began to languish because I really didn't understand what it meant to be a good husband, a good father. I didn't get it. And um, a friend of mine saw that I was kind of suffering. I don't think he knew why, but he offered to take me on a trip around the world, halfway around the world to a place called Medjugorje, which I know is highly contentious, you know. But regardless, I went there, and a couple things happened while I was there. A guide who was a very spiritual woman, her name was Nancy, she was the interpreter for Father Yozo, and she, I, I was talking to her, and I said, you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to do something more with my life. I, I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to serve the Lord, but I just don't know how. And she says, are you married? And I said, yes, I'm married. And she says, do you have children? Yes, I have children, three. And she, she says, well, go home and be St. Joseph. And I was like, you know, I wasn't really, you know, well-versed on who St. Joseph really was, but all I could remember was like the same stained glass windows and Joseph being, you know, looking about 200 years old and bald and he loves lilies. And I was like, I'm not really interested in that, you know? And, and so then another thing happened was where I went to confession to a Dominican friar and I was just kind of pouring out my heart to him. And he said, you will become a saint by means of your vocation. That is as a husband and father and not outside of it. And that really hit me because it was at, at that point, it made me, I made, I guess I realized that the vocation is the path to glory. And my vocation was to be a husband and father. That's what God called me to do. And so I realized that if God is calling you to be a husband or father, that's your vocational path that God has chosen for you, and you've chosen in, in union with God, and no other path will be given. You may have many other things that come as a, as a consequence born out of that vocation, of, but that is your call to glory and your call to greatness. And if you chuck that, you are chucking your path to glory. And so I went home after that, and I carved out space in my home, uh, my attic, actually. Um, we had an old 1914 house, and I made that my chapel. And I began spending a lot of time in prayer, morning and night, just asking God to reveal to me who this St. Joseph is. And it was amazing because over that period of time, for over the next four years, it was almost like I was on download from God, receiving insights regarding the Scriptures regarding this great man, St. Joseph, and comparing the patriarchs. And so I started writing down these insights. Um, we had a writer's group. I wasn't a writer, not even close. My brother was, so I started this writer's group so that he could finish a couple of his projects. And there's a bunch of us guys doing this, and we take turns. And I would share these little reflections, and one of the guys who happened to be named Joe, <laughs> he said, I know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to write on fatherhood through the lens of St. Joseph. And it really resonated with me. And so I kept writing, and I wrote this book, which was a letter to myself and on St. Joseph, just so that I would have it to help me become a better father. And what transpired, though, was after that book was done, we started our local chapter of Father St. Joseph, because Joe, again, said, we can't keep this between ourselves. We've got to share it with more men. And so we started this local chapter. And at first it was like 30-some guys, and then 40, and then 50, and 60. And pretty soon, every Wednesday, every other Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. in the morning, we're getting like 50 to 70 guys showing up. 
and the Jewish demonstrated to me, man, there's a massive hunger for this. Guys want to know what it really means to be a husband and a father, a real man. And at the same time, though, I sent this book to myself, to a friend who, without me knowing, sent it to a publicist. And without me knowing, the publicist sent it to a big-time Catholic publisher. And then that Catholic publisher called me and asked if they could publish the book. And it's, it's called Joseph's Way, uh, you know, 80 Days to Fatherly Greatness. And so that book became, like, for two years, Ignatius Press, one of their best-selling books. And that's when it all kind of began, like it took off. We had the local chapter, but then other people found out about it. And I was doing radio interviews and then I was being asked to speak here and there. And then now today we have chapters and splinter groups all over the world, you know, Austria, Australia, you know, Italy, the Philippines, wherever. I mean, it's crazy. It's not like we're huge, but it's just amazing how the word has gotten out. And so, you know, 22 books later, some videos online and on YouTube and things like that. We're trying to make a dent in this great vocation of fatherhood and calling men to fatherly greatness. And so that's really how it began. And, and here we are today. Wow. That's a, uh, again, so much to unpack there. I, I just want to just commend you on sort of that blind. It's, it's funny. It's like you almost didn't have a plan, but that blind faith, right? I mean, you, you were given those instructions, you experienced that conversion, you experienced the, the trauma of watching your daughter and your family suffer. And you just went out into the wilderness and, you know, just started writing. Like you said, you wrote to yourself. Um, Deacon Ralph Poyo is somebody I've heard speak a few times and I'm on a, a, we, we, uh, we're on a board together for a foundation based out of Florida. And he oftentimes says in his most fiery homilies and his most fiery speeches um, that he has ever given he's written those to himself. Like those are things that he needed to hear. And Mm -hmm. it's incredible because when you, when you write like that, um, other people need to hear it too, as you've rightly figured out. I mean, right. The Lord has clearly been working through you. How is um, Anna Marie now? I I wanted to ask, I wasn't sure what, what happened with her. Yeah. So Anna Marie now is 22 years old. She's confined to a wheelchair. We do everything for her from feeding her, changing her diapers, showering her. But this is the key. We we learned over the years. At first, it was very hard. At first, um, you know, they say uh, parents with special needs children, ninety percent of them end up separated or divorced. And so it's a it's a great trial. It's really either going to go one way or the other. You're gonna it's going to break you or it's going to bond you. And what we found is it nearly broke us. But then there was a discovery, and the discovery was that Anna Marie became the anchor of our family. We have five daughters, and she's in the center. And my wife and I were, you know, serving her. And I remember specifically my wife would get up very early in the morning, like five, somewhere in there to try to to get Anna Marie ready so she could get on her bus in time for her special needs schooling. And, um, you know, I then found like, hey, babe, let me do it. And and so I trying to outdo one another in generosity so she could get sleep. And then um, then pretty soon one day we go downstairs to get Anna Marie ready and I think it was our 10 year old daughter was getting her ready. You know, I got up without anybody asking her and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And, and that's kind of been what has grown out of it is that we have learned because of Anna Marie self-giving love that sacrifice as at the heart of love, you sacrifice for that, which you love. And we all loved Anna Marie. And so we sacrificed for her and for one another. And so then she ended up becoming 
the the vessel but through which God has taught us that the key to life, the key to happiness, the key to joy is actually giving yourself away for the sake of another. And you know, there's been some powerful, powerful um, you know, accounts with Anna Marie. I remember one time she was in fifth grade and she came home. Anna Marie's a very happy kid, very, very happy person. And uh she loves Jesus. She has all the Christian songs memorized. I think she's almost like autistic or something. She has CP, but she's got about a second grade mentality. And and she's so happy. And she came off the bus one day and she was sobbing uncontrollably. And we couldn't figure it out. And she sobbed from the time she got off the bus till dinner, through dinner. And finally, I, I, you know, I took her out of her wheelchair and I carried her into her bedroom. And I laid her on my lap and I was rocking her, just trying to figure out what was wrong. And evidently there was a boy at school who was poking fun at her, who told her she would never walk. And it kind of dawned on her that that's reality, that she would never walk. And so that's why she was control, you know, sobbing uncontrollably. And as I was holding her, I was rocking her. Um, she opened up her eyes and she caught sight of the crucifix on the wall in her bedroom. And gradually a smile came across her face. And I was like, huh, you know, I know my daughter has brain injury, but what's going on here? You know, and I said, Anne-Marie, why are you smiling? And she said, I think I understand now. I get to suffer with Jesus and that makes me happy. And I was like, that's it. That's it. When we, when we, because suffering is not going away. You know, all of us, the, the, the stench of suffering is not going away, but it's how we endure it and how we embrace it. You know, I think of Mary and Joseph, you know, on that night when they're in Bethlehem, it's the time for the virgin birth to take place. And it's, it's chaos. They can't get into the end. They're rejected. And Joseph is hunting around trying to find a place and he finds this manger that's a cave and it's, and, and let's not idealize it. It was dark. There was no light. It, there, it was dirty and filthy and cold, and there was a stench because there's animals. And you know what animals do in a manger, right? And, and, and so that's where the birth took place. And, you know, the shepherds find them. And what do they find? They find Mary and Joseph huddled together, lying there, keeping each other warm with Christ in the center of them. And, and yet the stench remains. The filth remains. The suffering remains. However, they have joy amidst it. And what's that message for us? That suffering isn't going away, but it's how we handle it. We can find joy in the relationship of, with our Lord, in being having the honor and privilege, as St. Paul says, it's your honor not only to know Christ, but your privilege to also suffer with Him. But we can have that joy of being in relationship with Him and with one another to endure these struggles and these trials together. And that's what Anna Marie as one of the great lessons Anna Marie has taught us. That's just beautiful. I mean, the fact that she came to that realization, you know, suffering with Jesus is just enough to, to I think, give us all hope and also tears in our eyes at the same time. Because I mean, that's just absolutely beautiful and profound uh, for a child, you know, out of the mouth of babes, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so tell us, I mean, okay, in, in the few minutes that we have left on this segment, really, we've got about a minute left. Um, so how many kids do you have then? Five, five daughters. All right, wow, five daughters. Goodness, <laughs> but, uh, do you have a do you have like a boy dog or anything to balance it out? <laughs> no, no, I now have a son in law though. That'll help. <laughs> okay, son in law, good. All right, and uh, wow, that's that's awesome. So busy house, and I can't imagine. I mean, I I've got um, let's see, I've got five boys at home and a girl, wow, and awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. The boys. I mean, they're, they're sort of like little cavemen at first. And especially when they, they learn to climb 
And our daughter, Ava, who's the oldest, thank goodness, is, is a bit more refined. Like she's, you know, taking care of the baby and changing diapers. So when you mentioned that your, your 10 year old was uh, taking care of Anna, um, I can relate to that to some extent because that's, I think there's that, that nourishing, that, that beauty, that like maternal instinct that you see. Mm -hmm. But honestly, the, the fact that you guys are doing, you know, giving so openly and giving so courageously for each other. I mean, that's brushed off on your children. What better way? to be um, role models for your kids is for them to see their parents love mm -hmm. unconditionally. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, let's take our next commercial break. Um, what an amazing conversation. Honestly, uh, this is just incredible. I'm so glad that we're speaking with you today, Devin, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. This is an important message for DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, and Joliet listeners. Catholic Spirit Radio's recent purchase of a radio station in your area has been an expensive endeavor, but a worthwhile investment because in this boisterous secular world, we want your community to hear more about the real truths and beauty of the Catholic faith. With the expansion in your area, we now need your added financial help to maintain it. It costs $7,000 a month to run Catholic Spirit Radio, even with our all-volunteer staff. Show us this station matters to you and the souls of your community. Become a first-time donor. Better yet, become a monthly donor. Join other listeners. When you pay your monthly bills, include a Catholic Spirit Radio donation. Mail to 108 Boykins Place in Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or click the Donate button at catholicspiritradio.org. No one at the station receives a salary, and all donations are tax-deductible. Your donation keeps Catholic Spirit Radio in your community. John Albee here. I've been a realtor for over 50 years, and I love helping people buy and and sell homes. Team Albee, the only name you may ever need in real estate. 309-275-5646. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in blooming to normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio, and I'm your guest host today, Royce Hood. We are just having an amazing conversation with Devin Shad of um, Fathers of St. Joseph, and that's fathersofstjoseph.org. I'd encourage everybody listening to check it out. You know a dad, you know a young man, you know a boy that's hopefully uh, going to be a, a father one day if that's his vocation. Um, so check it out, Fathers of St. Joseph, tons of great content. You can see Devin's speaking schedule on there. So I think it's kind of funny. I'm just going to point this out. Your wife is like, listen, Devin, we, we need you home. We need you to be a husband and a father. And so you, you, you know, you experience this conversion and now you're, you're walking, you know, attempting, I should say, to walk into the, in the sandals of St. Joseph in a way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you wrote mm -hmm. a book and unbeknownst mm -hmm. to you, that book, it blows up, it gets published. It becomes a top selling book through Ignatius and now you've written 22 books. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So did your wife get her wish? I'm, I'm, I almost think we need yeah. to get her on here. I mean, uh, <laughs> where do you find the time to write yeah. 22 books? It's incredible. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. That's a great question. And I really, yes. So first of all, yes, my wife got her wish. Um, so I did start my own business in 2000. And one of the commitments I made was that I would definitely be home for dinner every night. If, unless like for some weird reason I was traveling or whatever, but I would be home as much as possible for dinner every night. And that really was one of the core anchors of our family life. And the other thing is just praying with my family and then being, being this spiritual leader, you know, taking them to the sacraments and introducing them to Jesus and taking that seriously. And so, yes, my wife got more than her wish. And 27 years later, we have an incredible marriage and um, I'm just so thankful for her because she has been able to, you know, support me, but also she's allowed me to support her, you know, and it's just, just been beautiful. But um, how have I been able to write all these books and still maintain, you know, a job and all that? The key is this. I could not have done any of this, not one ounce of this on my own, under my own power, impossible. But what I've noticed is that the more that I give to God, the more God ends up giving because it's a spiritual law. You know, God cannot be outdone in generosity. You know, you glorify God and God cannot help but to glorify you because it's all part of the, the plan. And, and so Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be granted to you besides. And so early on, like, like I'm talking like over two decades ago, maybe even more, I began dedicating a large part of my morning to God. So prayer, mass, all of that. And I mean, silence in the darkness of the morning before everybody gets up, spending time in meditation and, and you know, not just rote prayers, although I, I, I do love the, the liturgy of the hours, and that's a part of my morning ritual, but actually meditating and having a conversation with God and waiting on Him in the silence. And, and I've been doing that now for, like I said, you know, what, two and a half decades at least. And and what I found is that the more time I do give to God, especially one of the most difficult things for me was to not work on Sundays because I was a real go-getter and, and I kind of viewed Sunday as a day of catch-up or a day to be able to do what I want to do. And there was a shift because I remember coming across Isaiah who said, you know, he was God spoke through the prophet saying, I, I condemn you because you carry out your own pursuits on the Sabbath, you know? And so I was very much convicted and I was like thinking, there is no way I'm going to even get my normal work done, let alone, you know, anything extra. And it's been quite the opposite. I give God my morning hours, you know, and then I give maybe even more than that. And I give him my Sunday and it has been unbelievable what he has produced in and through me. And, and I can't claim any of it for myself. So um, I think really, God is the author of time. He stands outside of time. You give time to God. God gives time to you. And then he also blesses the work of our hands when we seek him first. And, and I remember Jesus saying that when you do seek the kingdom of first, uh, God first, it, it is like he throws the bag of wheat in your lap and it's packed down and it's overflowing. And there's three things. It's thrown in your lap. It's packed down. That means the bag is chock full, you know, I mean, and like back in the days when they bartered with, you know, barley sacks and things like that, they would try to cheat, you know, and not put in the full amount. 
Jesus is saying, no, it's going to be full measure, and it's going to be overflowing in your lap. Like, look, you've done basically nothing but just give a little bit to me by seeking me first, and I'm going to lavishly pour out my blessing upon you. And I think that that's why some of us are scratching and clawing these days to try to get ahead, is because we're really not giving our first fruits of our time and our money to God, trusting that He is going to eventually give back, you know, that He's going to come through, and He will. All right. So um, awesome. I, I love it. And if people want to learn more about your ministry and the books that you've written, is is everything on fathersofstjoseph.org? Yeah, almost, I think almost everything is there in our resources area. So you can find... And a lot um, of your books are free. It looks like, you know, people can download some of this stuff at no cost. Yeah. So we've got three that we offer for free. We've got The Path, which I highly suggest. That's the beginning point. And every guy should get that. We've had men's conferences give those out in the thousands. And then, so we got the path. We've got, um, I think, Ruler of His House, which is just kind of a basic booklet on what it means to really be a man and lead. And then I think we've got the 13th day, the day of battle, which is all about the perennial battle between God and Satan, how St. Joseph and fatherhood are at the center of it. So it's very, very good primer, uh, you know, pieces that'll help guys get started but then we've got some incredible resources that flow out of that. So, and I highly recommend. Well, I, well, one thing I really like that you have on here is you have intensity level, and that might seem trivial to some people, but it's it's actually kind of cool. So the path is yeah. sort of uh, you know it's like one bar in, it's green, and then you've got like a super dark red bar at the end. So uh, explain that to us a little bit. What do you what do you mean by that? And obviously, it's, it's part of partly intuitive, I'm sure, but but go ahead. Yes. Exactly. So like the path is just like for beginners, right? So uh, basically spells out things in very simple principles, gives you 33 practices and gives you a plan to be able to live them out at your own speed, at your own pace. And it gives you the basics. I mean, it's it's just a, a great, simple beginning resource. But that intensity level, like you've got like lead, which is a devotional, daily devotional, the intensity level is kind of moderate, but it's so it's such a great devotional. Guys love this devotional because it takes you A to Z uh, on the road to manhood, to spiritual fatherhood, you know, from beginning to end, your marriage, your your relation with God, and it's very systematic. And so that is an incredible resource. And then we have like Show Us the Father, which I don't know if that's even on there, but that is one of our most popular selling books that guys just hand out. They buy them in bulk and they hand them out because it's seven secrets, seven ways to live out the spiritualized St. Joseph with stories and anecdotes. But then Kustos, our 33-day boot camp, that's more... That's got a greater intensity level because over the course of 33 days, you're not only reading reflections daily, you know, short reflections, but you're developing spiritual practices along the way that is giving you a way of life to live even after that 33-day consecration is over. And so, yeah, we've got resources that are entry level, moderate level, and then some that are more difficult in intensity, whether it's because of the the, the depth of the, you know, what's being uh, conveyed in the, in the book itself as far as knowledge level, but also because of the spiritual practices and the difficulty of living them out. And so we try to spell all that out there, and we're developing even more resources now. We've got a YouTube channel and Fathers of St. Joseph, but we're just trying to help guys to really live out this spirituality on a daily basis and, and become the men and the fathers and the leaders that they're called and destined to be. Now, one of the most basic things that, that you've said that I, I, I personally really relate to is is vocation and understanding yeah. what what vocation actually is. And a lot of times people think, oh, vocation, that that's like a religious calling or something. Right. And, and in a way, it's right. sort, it sort of is. 
I guess, right? Because we're the spiritual men or the spiritual head of, of the house. And I always like on my Twitter bio, you know, it all, they, they always say, you know, what, what's your title or what's, you know, what's your occupation? I always, I always put husband, father first. Nice. Because, that's awesome. Right. Nice. Yeah. To me, that's, that's my vocation and everything else I do is I suppose a subvocation or part of that. But um, explain that to us. And, and really for our listeners, I guess, you know, there's probably some wife or mother or grandmother, somebody out there that has a young man in their life that they're praying for. And they're really praying for that, that young man to, to have a conversion and mm-hmm. to find the strength and the courage that you have found. What advice would you give um, to our listeners along those lines? Okay. Well, yeah, first of all, let's talk about vocation really quick. Um, I think, you know, we've grown up, you know, basically before the sixties and seventies that really holiness is if you become a priest or a sister, you know, but we have to remember that God's original plan was that he created, created a man and a woman and he called them to marriage. And in fact, two of the most holiest people that have ever lived on this earth were a husband and father, a wife and a mother, Mary and Joseph. And so, vocation vocation comes from that Latin root word vox, which means voice. So when we embrace our own particular vocational path, whether it is to the religious life or whether it's to marriage or whether it's the single life, that is your path that God has ordained for you. And it is if you embrace that path, the vox of God, the voice of God, He's not only calling you to that vocation, but He will call you within that vocation and speak to you. And when we deny that vocation, we literally shut down. We, we shut our ears to the voice of God to be able to hear what his divine counsel in our life, that call to greatness. Now, so if you've got, you know, grandmas, moms, you know, they've got a man in their life who they really want to discover. Uh, they want them to discover Jesus Christ. Well, first of all, I can tell you this, that men typically do not respond when a woman is forcing or, or shoving down religious truths down the man's throat. Um, it generally doesn't work because men know that they're called to lead, and when they're not leading and a woman's telling them that they're not leading or not being a, the spiritual man that they're called to be, they, they even dig their heels in a little bit harder. You know what I mean? They resist. And so the first thing that we, I think all of us can do is live by example. So we really need to love Jesus. I mean, and we need to love our enemies, and that's the perfection of love, right? We need to love. We need to have charity. So all of us need to beg for charity and embody that. That's the first thing. So our relationship with Jesus speaks volumes before we even speak a word. But then second, we need to pray like we mean it. And so what does that mean? We pray for a person, but we sacrifice for them. So this is a perfect season for that Lent where we can offer a cold shower, or maybe we can miss a meal, or maybe we can just get up on time rather than sleeping in. Whatever our offering is, we can offer it specifically for these people, not and, and here's the key, knowing that we are not the ones who are providing the grace, because like at the wedding at Cana, Jesus told the men, the servants, to fill the jars with water. But at the end, it was still water. Even if they filled it to the brim, Jesus had to bless it and transform it into wine. And that's what he does with our prayers and our silent, hidden sacrifices. He takes that water of those works, and he blesses them and transforms them into wine. So first, we need to know Jesus and embody Jesus' love in our lives, and people need to see that. But then second, we need to pray, and we need to pray like we mean it, so we couple that with sacrifice, and that's how our prayer becomes powerful. And then we need to come alongside whoever we are praying for, just with sincere love. And that speaks volumes. I, I remember early on in my conversion, there was this beautiful old lady at Mass, and 
she was elderly and I was praying after mass is a daily mass and I was struggling. And she came up to me simply after mass and just put her hand on my hand and, and just said, it's so good for you to be here. You know, it's so good that you're with us. And I loved, I fell in love with that 80 some or 70 some year old woman, you know, age 70. And I, and then she ended up becoming like a second mom to me over time. And then it was just like through that nurturing that I learned more about Christ's love. She never like would preach at me or tell me what to do, but she just shared her love for Jesus and basically made me feel loved. And that was that feeling of being loved uh, was healing for the wounds in my life. And, and I think that's what guys, you know, we're very wounded, you know, and we need love in our life. And some saying like the best thing you can do is, as I said, is, is to, you know, basically pray and sacrifice to embody the love of Christ and to share that love rather than, you know, I guess talking down to someone. No, absolutely. Right. I mean, that, that they'll know them, they'll know us by our love. I think that is what you're getting at. And, um, yeah. you know, but I think it's, it's too, I mean, you mentioned earlier, I mean, you, you're sympathetic, but there's also lines that you draw and that's important too. I mean, that's, that's the role model. I think of a father we're called to defend, we're called to protect, we're called to lead. And, um, wow, it's so challenging raising children and it's getting even more challenging. I mean, we have kids in Catholic school in a very um, sort of conservative traditional environment, but then just, I mean, going outside, playing with their friends, they hear all sorts of things mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you just can't shelter them completely. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, I wish we had more time or we're, we're starting to run out of time. And I just, one thing I, I just want to jump, jump around slightly um, you had mentioned, you know, it was a little controversial, but you you had this conversion and um, Medjugorje played a huge role in that. I just, I want you to know that's where I experienced my conversion. And it's interesting. Oh, wow. I was in Rome for 10 or 12 days in law school with my future wife and a small group of students from Ave Maria School of Law. We were with then Card- uh, Archbishop Burke, who is now Cardinal Burke. And I asked him point blank, you know, Archbishop, what... What, what, what is the church's position? And it was funny. He said, you know, the church doesn't really have a position at this point, but he's like, I'll tell you, you, you know them by their fruits. And I didn't realize this at the time, but it is one of the most active confessionals in the world. Oh, it's huge. Active confessionals, right? And in, in, in fact, what ended up happening is I actually proposed to my wife on top of Mount Kresovic. <laughs> wow. um, so we climbed Mount Kresovic and I proposed and I was sneaking around with this ring under my shirt the entire trip. It was pretty awkward. <laughs> and she, I, I always thought I tricked her, but she's like, dude, she's like, you had a giant ring. Like I could see it <laughs> under your shirt. So it was the not ring a of power, right? Exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, look, we're almost out of time and the minute or so we have left just, I mean, what advice again, you could unpack this any way you want, but in, in less than a minute or so, how can fathers protect their children? I mean, can we shelter them? How, how do we shelter them from, from the world? Uh, what, what do we do? So the, well, I mean, obviously we do need to protect them from the world, but the best protection, the best defense is the best offense. And the best offense is choose your children rather than accepting them. Okay, so what I mean by that is easy to accept your children. They're living with you. Hey, they're, you know, their food's in the fridge. Okay, they're studying over there, watching TV, and you guys are kind of just existing in the same home. That's accepting. Choose them. Take the daughters out for daughter dates. Take your son along with you when you're doing a project, you know. Um, intentionally sit down next to them and ask them about their day. That's why I love family dinner because it deprograms them from all the crud that they're receiving throughout the day. And you talk about things and be very real with them and love them and assure them of your love. And do not jam religion down their throats. 
they will receive Jesus if you embody Jesus. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives not only me, but receives the one who sent me. So our children will be more likely to receive Christ if we are receiving Christ and acting in Christ. They will receive Christ. Oh, that's beautiful. I wish, I really wish we had more time and I'd love to have you back um, some other time. And so we can just keep talking just even on things like fatherhood. And, you know, hearing about your family prayer time and the activities that you do, I think our listeners, you know, could really benefit from that. And I love, those are the kind of conversations I really enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Devin, and for all the great work that you're doing um, through the Fathers of St. Joseph. And I hope everybody will check it out, fathersofstjoseph.org. Um, again, thank you for joining us at Catholic Spirit Radio. You've been listening to Catholic Conversations. Download our podcasts at catholicspiritradio.com. 